Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Are you looking for a way to save a little money? What about getting your subscriptions under control? If so, then I've got just the solution for you. Rocket Money. With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find a subscription that I completely forgot to cancel before the free trial was up. I'm sure you've all been there, and Rocket Money can help me cancel it. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each and every month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With them, I can see clearly what my monthly spending is and how it compares to the month before, making saving money and taking control over my finances so much easier. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com Slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning cup of murder. Prison does not always stop dangerous men from killing. On January 16, 1930, a man was born who would commit some heinous crimes both outside and inside prison walls. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Clarence Ray Allen was born in Blair, Oklahoma on January 16, 1930, to a family described by most of the articles as, quote, dirt poor. Ray, in an effort to help his family make ends meet, began picking cotton at a young age, but always dreamed he would move on to bigger and brighter things. Moving to Fresno, California, where he got married and started his own flourishing security company. He was charismatic, hardworking, and smart, working his way from a $75 a month shack to a fully functional ranch where he raised thoroughbred and Arabian horses, owned his own plane, and a large swimming pool. For most, Ray was living the perfect American dream. But for the man himself, his successes were not enough to satisfy him. Needing some danger in his life, Ray turned to crime and formed a group of fellow crime seekers he called the Ray Allen Gang. 
And with his personality, Ray had no problem attracting members and took these young troublemakers and made them into full-blown criminals. The most important rule in the Ray Allen gang? No snitching. Snitching did nothing but get you killed. And to make sure all of his men believed him, Ray pulled out a newspaper about two bodies that were found in Nevada and told them the cautionary tale of what happened to people who snitched on Ray Allen. With this warning always in the back of their heads, the gang began a series of robberies both at residences and at businesses, all orchestrated and carefully planned by Ray himself. To him, the plans were perfect. They got in and out of the building with a rush of adrenaline and a pretty decent payout, and no one got hurt. That was until 1974 when one of those meticulously planned robberies ended up costing people their lives in more ways than one. Ray was, in 1974, determined to rob Franz Market because, as a friend of the owners, he knew it would be a pretty easy target. So he came up with his plan, selected the members he wanted to be involved, and told his son Roger that he needed the help of his 17-year-old girlfriend, Mary Sue Kitts. You see, to make sure his plan went off without a hitch, Ray needed Mary Sue to use her feminine wiles on Byron Schlewitz, the son of the market's owners. The plan went as follows. Roger was supposed to invite Byron over to Ray's swimming pool where Mary Sue, clad in a bathing suit, would begin flirting with Byron. While he was distracted, Roger and the other men would go through Byron's abandoned clothes, left after he changed into his swimsuit, and look for the keys to his parents' store. The plan worked perfectly, and when Byron asked Mary Sue out on a date that night, she agreed in order to keep him busy while the other men, Roger, Carl Mayfield, and Lee Furrow, simply unlocked the store and helped themselves. Now, the safe was a whole other issue, so, unable to open it, the men simply lifted it up and started to walk out with it. They got in, they got out, they opened the safe back at Ray's and discovered about $500 in cash and $10,000 in money orders that they immediately started spending all over Southern California. Everything worked perfectly, until Mary Sue forgot the one rule of the Ray Allen gang. Don't snitch. Feeling terrible for the role that she had played, Mary Sue told Byron the entire story and told him how Ray Allen was the one who planned the whole thing. Byron then confronted Roger about her claims and Roger went straight to his father, who said that both Byron and Mary Sue would have to be, quote, dealt with. With that, Ray enlisted the help of three employees at his security firm, Charles Jones, Carl Mayfield, and Lee Furrow, called a meeting and took a vote on what to do about Mary Sue's rule-breaking. The vote was unanimous, mostly because the members feared what going against Ray would do, and Ray came up with a plan to poison Mary Sue at a party. The party would be held at Ray's girlfriend's home, a woman named Shirley Dockle, and once the party got started, it would be Lee who would offer Mary Sue some pills— telling her that they were all going to get high together and once she took the cyanide, they would dispose of her body. The plan seemed pretty foolproof, but not everyone was as on board as Ray would have liked. Shirley, for one, did not care if the girl lived or died, but did not love the idea of a murder taking place in her apartment. And Lee Furrow wasn't sure he wanted to be responsible for the death of a 17-year-old girl. They complained to Ray, and he was able to convince Shirley, but not Lee. So he did what he did best. 
intimidate, telling Lee that if he didn't do as he was told, he would be killed as well. Lee, having no real choice, agreed and went forward with the planned murder. Mary Sue Kitts, having no clue what was going on behind her back, showed up at the party just as planned, but politely declined Lee's offer for some pills, stating that she liked to drink wine when she got high and didn't have any on hand. Not sure what to do next, Lee and Carl Mayfield called over to Ray to give an update, and, losing patience, he told them that he didn't care how Mary Sue died, but that they needed to make it quick. They went back to the party, offered the pills one last time, and, when she refused, called Ray again. Furious, Ray showed up at the party and met with Lee outside. After threatening his life, Lee went back inside, determined, grabbed Mary Sue, and began to strangle her to death. She tried to fight off her attacker, but, in the end, was no match for the much bigger, much stronger Lee Furrow. He disappeared the next day, and when Carl Mayfield asked where he was, Ray told him that Lee was, quote, no longer in existence, claiming he went to Mexico and that he had to kill him. This, of course, wasn't the whole truth, as Lee was still alive and would eventually come back to California to help Ray rob a jewelry store. With Mary Sue out of the way, another snitch buried in the ground, Ray got the urge to plan another robbery and brought in two new recruits to help him out, Alan Robinson and Benjamin Mayer, ensuring loyalty from both by telling them about Mary Sue's fate. With everyone in line, Ray planned a slew of robberies at Kmart's all around California, claiming he had a, quote, foolproof method for robbing this particular store. The first was at a Tulare store on February 10, 1977, where he got away with $16,000, but Alan Robinson, thought to have messed up during the hit, was replaced by a man named Larry Green. A month later, a store in Visalia was hit, and this time, Larry Green, going against the plan, thought he saw someone move and ended up shooting an innocent bystander. Things descended into chaos, the police were called, and Larry Green... Benjamin Mayer, and Ray Allen were all arrested. Clarence Ray Allen was tried, convicted, and sentenced for robbery, attempted robbery, and assault with a deadly weapon, meaning the leader of the Ray Allen gang was behind bars and unable to keep his men in line. With no one there to intimidate them, everyone started talking, and as a result, Ray was implicated in the murder of Mary Sue Kitts. During the trial, almost the entire gang testified against him. Lee Furrow made a deal and pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in exchange for his testimony, and Ray was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. This, however, did very little to stop the vengeance of Clarence Ray Allen. While behind bars, Ray conspired with a fellow inmate named Billy Ray Hamilton to murder the witnesses who testified against him in his trial. As soon as Billy was paroled, Ray would pay him $25,000 to take care of the snitches, provided him with guns, gave him transportation, and gave him an accomplice, his son Kenny, to make sure that he had everything necessary to end everyone's lives. The first targets were the owners of Franz Market, the robbery that started all of this, and their son Byron Schlewitz. As soon as Billy Ray walked out of prison, Kenny met him at a Fresno bus depot, as well as Billy Ray's girlfriend, Connie Barbo. Kenny gave him everything he needed, and, guns in hand, Billy Ray and Connie drove off to Franz Market. 
When they got there, they realized that there was a 15-year-old boy in the store, and Connie, who was now an accomplice in this mission, refused to involve or kill someone so young. So they waited for a day, and on September 5th, 1980, returned to the market and found Byron working his shift. Coming into the store, Billy Ray pulled out his borrowed weapons, ushered everyone into one section, and had Connie, holding a 32 caliber pistol, keep watch on them while he took Byron Schleetwitz into the stockroom and shot him in the head. Returning from the room, Billy Ray asked 18-year-old Douglas White where the safe was. When he responded that there wasn't one, Billy Ray shot him in the chest and killed him instantly. By this point, 17-year-old Josephine Roca was sobbing uncontrollably, and in an effort to shut her up, Billy Ray put a bullet through her heart. He then shot the only remaining employee, Joe Rios, in the face, who remarkably was able to survive, and the couple fled into the night, thinking they had just killed everyone, every possible witness, inside the store. As they walked through the door, they heard a voice ordering them to stop. It was Jack Abbott, a man who lived nearby, heard the sound of gunfire, armed himself, and came to see what was going on. The pair then engaged in a shootout while Connie retreated back into the store's bathroom. Billy Ray was injured, so was Jack. Billy Ray jumped into the getaway car and sped off. Minutes later, the police arrived and found the bloodbath at Fran's Market. Hidden in the ladies' room was Connie Barbo, whom they quickly arrested. Speeding off, Billy Ray made a call to Kenny Allen and told him about what had just gone down at the market, claiming he needed a new car because police would surely be looking for him after Jack Abbott saw what it looked like. They met up, exchanged cars, and Billy Ray headed towards Modesto, where an old prison friend named Gary Brady was living. He hid out with Gary and told him he, quote, killed three people for Ray. Needing the money that Ray owed him, Billy Ray had Gary's wife write a letter to Ray asking for the payout. While waiting for his money, Billy Ray robbed a liquor store across the street and was arrested by Modesto police. On his person was a list containing the names and addresses of every single witness who testified against Clarence Ray Allen, one of which was already dead. While the Modesto police worked to figure out what to do with Billy Ray, Kenny Allen was arrested for possession of drugs with intent to sell and was placed behind bars where he was connected to the massacre at Franz Market. He, of course, denied any involvement, but after a week of interrogation, offered to testify against Billy Ray Hamilton, Connie Barbo, and remarkably, his own father in exchange for protective custody and a choice of what prison he would reside in. Due to Kenny's testimony, a jury convicted Billy Ray Hamilton on three counts of murder, one count of attempted robbery, and two counts of assault with a deadly weapon. He was sentenced to death on March 2nd, 1981. Ray, the mastermind in all of this destruction, was charged and ultimately convicted of triple murder and conspiracy to murder eight witnesses. After finding out that he had previously been convicted of murder and had murdered the witnesses in retaliation for the prior testimony, the jury recommended the death penalty. The judge agreed, and Ray was sent to San Quentin's death row on December 2nd, 1982. This is the part of the story where I, again, tell you that prison did not stop Ray from killing whoever he wanted to kill. 
1983, Douglas and Peggy Ryan, as well as their 10-year-old daughter and 11-year-old neighbor, were all killed in their Chino Hills home. Now, while it cannot be definitively confirmed, Ray Allen had a previous disagreement with this family over a horse that he had purchased from them. Kevin Cooper was eventually convicted of the murder, but the girlfriend of Lee Furrow, Ray's longtime accomplice, said he was the one responsible for the murder at Ray's demand. Lee denied involvement and provided a DNA sample, but as of 2020, the results are still pending. After having his sentence affirmed in 1987, in 2005, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found that Ray's trial counsel had been inadequate. The courts, however, denied rehearing his case, claiming the evidence was overwhelming and a new trial would not change the results. His lawyers, who claimed he was no longer a danger due to his age, argued that his death would constitute as cruel and unusual punishment and requested clemency from Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. He refused, citing, quote, his conduct did not result from youth or inexperience, but instead resulted from the hardened and calculating decisions of a mature man. While in prison, Clarence Ray Allen began acknowledging his Native American Choctaw heritage and, after claiming a severe disability, was issued a wheelchair to move around the prison. He also claimed that he was both blind and deaf, but refused to learn sign language. Correctional officers would later say that they saw him walk unassisted numerous times and would see him reading his mail with no issue. Clarence Ray Allen was executed by lethal injection on January 17, 2006, the day after his 76th birthday. To the shock of everyone, Ray walked into the death chamber by his own power and had to be issued an additional injection of potassium to stop his very healthy heart. He died with an eagle feather on his chest and wearing a medicine bag around his neck. His last words, read by the warden after his final breath, were, Hoka hey, it's a good day to die. Thank you very much. I love you all. Goodbye. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on January 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. <laughs>